0: And that is that. The last ever FA Cup tie has been played at Griffin Park. The last ever domestic cup match, I should say, has been played at Griffin Park. Brentford's are coming to a 1-0 defeat to Premier League Leicester at the weekend. But putting up a very decent account of themselves in front of those BBC cameras. Absolutely. We're going to be talking to ex-Brentford boss Martin Allen about what he made of the clash. Current head coach Thomas Frank gives us his post-match thoughts. We'll hear what both sets of fans had to say in the pub afterwards plus with the big championship clash with Nottingham forest coming up tomorrow night we'll have scott Ely on the line from the munich and madrid blog it is the brentford fc fan show here on love sport me matt beadle with the boys from besotted billy the B grant hello hello how you doing very good thank you robin hood
2: mcmichael hello good evening how are you i tell you something i noticed the head nod i walked in the studio and you were properly nodding your head there was some (laughs) sort of shake like shaking back going down wasn't there your head he was he was singing it he was he because we had the music on, the intro music, and everyone just thinks that's a little bit of kind of like, where do they get that from? But you actually did a bit of research on YouTube, didn't you, Matt? I did
0: indeed, Billy. Yes, I had a little look. I was uh, given a nod by my producer, Paddy, who said, Have you ever seen the video of those guys singing the actual Brentford theme tune on YouTube?
2: So I went and had a look, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. That's right. That's what we, we went down the training ground. We got all the players involved. We got the Harley Dean, we have got the, the Calvey, we got the Tumani Diagaraga, you know, we got Kev O'Connor when he was still in the team as well you know it was all it was all good yeah people on the terraces it was a proper pop video wasn't it it was edited brilliantly i have to say oh, because yeah. the lip-syncing was top-notch that's savvy b mate that's savvy b for you we've got savvy b in the house as well i hope he's listening as well fair play to you savvy b he's actually doing a, a documentary with brentford we're doing a documentary for him now which will be out in the in the start of the new season when we go to new griffin park but we'll maybe talk about that in another show because we're got going to talk about other things now aren't we matt
0: we are absolutely billy yes talk to me first in the white heart as per usual before this evening's shenanigans the white heart
2: whisper as oh. we call it yeah that's what we call it it's our production meeting but we call it the white heart whisper what are we whispering about in the
3: white heart today well we've been whispering about many many different things uh we discussed uh, first thing we've discussed is um half and half scarves
0: yeah. Oh, how oh. did that right. go down? Has this got anything to do with Coventry, Birmingham? By the
3: way, no. no. Unfortunately, oh, no. not. Unfortunately, it's a bit closer to home. Oh crikey! Yes. I mean, literally home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we we would sort of. It's something that broke. <laughs> unfortunately, about Brentford versus Leicester City, there were um, half and half scarves out, up for sale outside of the um, uh, outside of the ground before. The game kicked off, uh, and uh, we thought it's an interesting and slightly contentious issue. But we thought we'd put it to put it to people in the know, shall
2: we say? Well, we put it to the vote on Besotted, because yeah. the thing about it is that you know we go to certain matches and. Uh, you know, for Brentford, obviously, you know, um, all our matches are big matches. Are, they're getting bigger as time goes on. But, you know, as we, when we, when we went to Arsenal last season, you know, there were half and half scarves on sale there. You know, um, a lot of the England games that I go to, you know, they've got half and half scarves on sale there. And you sort of think there's got to be some sort of market for half and half mm. scarves. But any time you mention half and half scarves, people go absolutely apoplectic as it is. You know, they just go, oh, we're not having this. I can't believe they do that. They've got no um, relevance for a team, Like you know what I'm saying? and. But I was just going back to it and I was thinking, you know, when did half and half half arm um, scarves start? And can you actually remember when they actually started?
0: Crikey, I haven't got a clue. The only thing I would say is that maybe they originated
2: either at an international tournament or for some testimonial or something, because sometimes that happens. I, I don't think, and, and I might be wrong about this, but where, where I think they actually started is that in the, I think it was around about in the 90s there was this kind of fascination for an affiliation with Celtic do you remember and all of a sudden some teams were going oh I'm Celtic so they were like Liverpool Celtic and then there was like Man City Rangers and these fans were all going yeah we, we've affiliated ourselves with the Scottish side and then all of a sudden these, if I remember rightly these scarves appeared where it's like Liverpool and Celtic scarves where you know obviously like you know there's like a sort of Catholic influence with Liverpool and a, a sort of Protestant influence with Man City so they actually did that um, and a lot of people affiliated them with a team that to be quite honest with you, they probably really couldn't even give two monkeys about but they felt <laughs> that they needed to do so, And that was my first remembrance of half-and-half half scarves, where it was kind of sort of a uh, a, a Scottish footballing kind of link-up thing. Um, and, it, yeah, it was quite strange. And since then, what it's done is it's come on a little bit more now where um, the scarf makers, the people who want to make a little bit of money, have just popped out here for every other game and thrown it out there. And, obviously, they've found people, especially as football has become... You know, from those '90s days, it's mm. become much more international. So all of a sudden, it's like you know, you get tourists coming in, and they go to an Arsenal game, and Arsenal are playing, you know, Inter Milan. You know, somebody's selling an Arsenal-Inter Milan thing, they'll immediately they'll go buy that. But you can you can recognise them because they're always wearing the scarves. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you, you you just know it's not a done thing. Because it's, it's
0: absolutely not a done thing. <laughs> no, and like you say, it's funny because as soon as you mention it, there is outrage amongst yes. the. The English football supporting fan, you'd like to think. If you're an armchair fan, maybe it's something new, tourism. It's normally tourists often that wear them. But, I mean, you've done a poll, right? So you've spoken to
2: your fans. We we did. And um, the results of the poll say, okay, we said, look, is there a situation... Because we thought, listen, let's open it up, because the fact is that it's easy for you to go and say, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. But what I normally find is that also certain people who feel actually we don't feel too badly about it feel a little bit kind of like, hmm, we better not say anything because we're going to just get run down. So we thought, let's just
3: ask you. Is it's it's not a yes and no answer, is it? It's, it's, there's a bit more complexity to it, which is why I think this poll was quite interesting. Is there the a doctor. situation where you could buy a half and half scarf,
2: either for yourself or a relative, who may be a kid, and we ask the question, Sixty-six percent of the people said no, absolutely, and no way you should do it. But interestingly, thirteen percent said they'll buy it for a souvenir for uh, for a relative. Twelve percent said they say they'll buy it if it's a big game, so like if we play sort of Man United or Arsenal, Chelsea, they'd buy it as a big game. And eight percent just said I don't know what the problem is. So thirty-three percent of the people were saying actually we don't realise they think it's a big issue, which is which is actually quite an interesting. Uh, you know uh, proportion because the way it goes you would have thought that 90% of the people are saying no and maybe you know 5 or 8 or 10% of the people are saying yes don't you think i do is this
0: i don't know a signal of the modern football fan robin
3: potentially i think um billy said that when you mentioned the word money earlier on and i think Without meaning to sound too cynical about it, it for, particularly for big games, it is a bit of a money grab, I think. Um, and I can understand, like you know, I understand the the importance of scarves. I think football scarves are one of those quintessentially uh, there's one of those quintessential things that you have to sort of have one of. I find you have to have a football scarf. So um, my dad still got his um, uh, his Wembley scarf from Brentford versus Crew back in the day. So like you know, and you know, it's 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 a very very significant thing. I personally think that half-and-half scarves are a load of a word that I'm not going to say because I'm (laughs) live on radio. Um, I was very much in the no, not at all. I don't... I'm I'm not for half-and-half scarves.
0: Well... Well Sorry, I was just going to say that football is tribal, isn't it? We are. We're all very tribal as football fans. So to even consider having the colours of another team, you hear on Stag Do's, don't you, that one of the punishments for the for the groom, the stag, is to wear the opposing team's shirt. Yeah. I i think if I was the stag, I would, I would just refuse. I'd say, I'll go naked. I don't care. I'm
2: not wearing my opposing team's colours. You just don't do it. Which is fair enough. But I think where it comes to it is that sometimes it's not really the opposing team. So I'll give an example, OK? I actually have a half-and-half scarf. Who are like a dun dun, dun. Excuse me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but listen, I've done the admit on not because I don't mm-hmm. mind, man. I'm a big man, and I'll admit it. However, how this came about was um, about four or five years ago, um, four years ago, I went to FC Michelin, which is the club that um, uh, Matthew Benham owns. So I went to – I was in Copenhagen for a week with my son. We just decided to go over there just for a week and just hang out, as you do. He <laughs> was 11, 11 at the time. And uh, <laughs> no, I it was just it was chilled out for a week. And – um we got invited, you know, we got we got some tickets to the Michelin game, and so we thought it was great. So we got down to the game, it was playing against Bronby. Ironically, the uh, the manager of Bronby at the time was a, a Thomas Frank, who I had no <laughs> idea who he was at the time, uh, which is quite good. So we went and watched the game, absolutely freezing. So we walked into the stadium, and as I walked in there, this guy who I just didn't know at all, but he knew I was obviously he was coming to the game, he came up to me and he says, so much thank you very much for coming to see michelin and then he just handed me this half and half scarf they'd they made up a half michelin half brentford scarf and he gave it to me and then, well he gave it to my son and he says this is for you and my son went thank you very much he put it on and you know was really happy And for me i was just actually thought that's such a lovely thing i've got no idea who you are but you heard that i was coming you made up this scarf and you've given it to me so i've got it at home and it's put away somewhere you know, I haven't worn it or anything like that because I don't do but it's actually put away somewhere and I thought it's, this will actually remind me of that moment and I just thought about this because I thought half an are out of order and I've never bought one but I thought that you know sometimes you've got all these people who s- they sit down and they, they, they come out and they start showing you their programmes and their photographs of Redford and you know if I was, like, you know, 70 or eight years old, if I had my, sort of, grandchildren, I would, you know, maybe love to go, look, actually, this is from the, you know, the time we played Chelsea, this is from the time we played Leicester, you know, you don't wear it, but actually you just take it, you put it into a loft and you put it away, but I, I don't have that, sort of, kind of, collector thing going on with Brentford, but I think that maybe, 20 or 30 years' time, maybe it might be something that I might have regretted.
0: Yeah, okay, from that side of it, I suppose I can I can understand, and for an example, like you're saying there with SC Mitchelland, it is something of a keepsake, and two clubs, ultimately, that despite owners wouldn't be connected otherwise it's unlikely in the the near future i suppose that brentford yeah. will come up against an fc michelin so in that sense i guess i can understand it to an extent yes but an interesting poll nonetheless a good exercise it fellas. is and,
2: and i'm just got to say and just a couple of comments from people there as well i mean steve fox the bee said i'm a filbert streeter by birth but griffin park in my heart <laughs> so follow both leicester and brentford i bought the half and half as a one-off
3: but i put it in my pocket on ealing road See, I've got from uh, Savvy Bees popped up again. He's getting a lot of mentions Ooh. today. Don't know who's bribed for that. But um, yeah, he uh, he's basically says that half and half. he feel scarves only work really across nations in his book. Uh, he's waiting for Brentford to play Pauk in Europe at some point. Um, but I'm, Now that I can sort of understand a little bit more because that's a significant game. European football, you know, playing nations from across other divisions in other countries is a very significant achievement, whether, you know, whether or not you're Chelsea or whether or not you're Leicester City. You've, you've, you've only just done it a couple of times this in recent seasons. I can see the appeal of that. However, I just don't see how a fourth-round tie between Leicester and Brentford warrants a a half-and-half scuff. Square One Whip Football,
2: who tweeted in as well, he said, um, people buy match programmes as souvenirs that mention both teams. I don't see the issue. Simon Cowley said to him, I don't wear a programme around my neck, which (laughs) is uh, a fair (laughs) point. Um, um, Andrew Bishop as well, he said, I would allow my son to get one if Spurs played brentford as their are two clubs otherwise absolutely not so all of a sudden you see that people seem to have their own rules for kind of doing it and and also actually it's Skeeter says considering the game was played at griffin park the whole half and half outrage is a bit weird yeah go on Griffin Well, there's a half it's a know, half and a half animal essentially yeah. oh right yeah. okay sorry I completely missed
3: that yeah, point no, no, you no, see no. Beatles done his research on Bizzotti but not on Griffin nah, really nah, to- right <laughs> right. I do apologise <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh,
0: well I mean the, the the significance of the game I suppose was in a sense that it was that last FA Cup tie at Griffin Park Kelechi in Acho with the solitary goal to see Leicester through to the fifth round you guys were in the pub as per after the game to get the match fan reaction here it is
1: 90 minutes will do them the world of good. I thought some of them, Zamborek was amazing, he, he was brilliant today, but they worked their socks off, but they can play as well. They were calm, under pressure, we had, we had a ropey first 10 minutes, but they're very young players and they bounce back. Leicester had some more experienced players than us, we'd be proud with today, and if we're honest, probably not getting a replay helps us in some ways. I
4: think Zamborek was amazing, he was all over the place and he was clearly the man of the match for me and then as soon as we have Mbeimo and and Rico coming in you could see as well the energy coming in but well done to them they had never played together that much
3: so they did very well
5: yeah the question still for me as an old-timer remains should we have played that team in the first place and have we missed an opportunity but it's done we didn't let ourselves down um it's more experience for those kids that are coming into the first team and holding their own when they get into the first team and that's the real positive for all of that so bring on Tuesday so I, I was just really
2: pleased we put a good performance we didn't embarrass ourselves in any way shape or form and by the end of it
4: Leicester were wasting time because they knew we were dangerous as soon as we got Brentford away we thought it would be a tough game we thought it would be no pushover I thought so we got to do it we've got to give a strong line up out which got an early goal but second half Brentford had a better chance well had some good chances yeah, yeah. didn't there hit the post so yeah Brentford put give was a good challenge, only 1-0 everyone thought Everyone, everyone knew every Leicester fan I knew it would be a tough game you never wanted to put your first team out because the Premiership carrot, which is dangling with you in the position you yeah, are yeah. in the
1: Championship is much more important than FA Cup run if you get promoted to the Premiership yeah. right it's I agree it's £100 million historically we're used to seeing
4: you know the game where we really need the three points from resting the players we don't get the result do we less hope less hope that we get the three points against forest on tuesday night and results keep
2: going our way and let's not have no no base about this the number one target here is that we have a trip to wembley whether we make it or not isn't the point but we want to go to wembley man i love that Gujarati food it's banging man seriously people come to wembley and they don't realize this it's a hub of like Asian culture please let, let the lords look after us all and, and get
1: us to that spot it was a tight game and I think Brentford played well, bearing in mind they didn't have a full team out either. No, you've got a lot of good players, and if that's the second team, I was very impressed. And I just, and I think all Leicester fans will certainly hope that you can turn Forest over in midweek. I think just to give players you know, fringe players like at more time. We saw today that he can do a job for us in the middle of the park. I think we've been a bit wary of playing him in the middle of the park. But I think today he showed he's going to be able to do a job there and I think that's where his future's going to be. There's a few people that are saying that we've been shortchanged. Things that are going to kill the FA Cup is not Man City playing their B team or early kickoffs. It's mid-table championship teams resting their players. And I'm like, well, if it's okay for Man City and it's okay for man united or liverpool to rest players or leicester city why is it not okay for us you know you've got to do what's right for your team if we lose the next three games and maybe we can look back in hindsight and go yeah we missed a chance there but i i i'm i'm coming away from that game and sitting here afterwards surrounded by people that seem to be really proud of their football club today and although that there wasn't you know the the watkins and waymo and ben rama they weren't out there uh Z- Zambrek and yearwood was they, they 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 took their chances and i thought they were exceptional giving your team a voice love sport radio
0: this is the Brentford Fan Show here on a Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, with the boys from Bissotted, Billy the B Grant and Robin Hood. McMichael, just a quick update in the FA Cup. The final FA Cup fourth round tie of the weekend is currently being played at the Vitality Stadium. Arsenal leading Bournemouth by one a goal to nil. Bukayo Saka with the opener there now gents of course it was an fa cup fourth round tie at the weekend in front of the bbc cameras no less for brentford at griffin park a game i thoroughly enjoyed watching i'm imagining it was the same for you guys
2: i, I mean i've I, I loved it i really enjoyed it and part of the reason why is that uh, myself i suppose a lot of other brentford fans what we did is that we came to um you know we just we just relaxed and we just thought it's a b team so what we'll do is we'll treat this just like you know the olden days when we were in the third tier playing a first tier team and we got no chance of winning, but these guys are going to be really enthusiastic and they're going to do their job and they're going to go out there and do it. And that's exactly what they did. Unfortunately, like I said to you, and they talked about the fans talk about this in the pub where they got caught a rabbit in the headlights in the first ten minutes or so, and Leicester managed to get a goal. But if it was uh, if that didn't happen, it may have been a different story altogether, innit? It
3: would have been, yeah. It was. A, it was. A, I described it as a, it was a classic FA Cup tie. It was really. You know David versus Goliath, Minnows versus Wales, it was absolutely fantastic um and yeah, I think if we you know if, if we had con- hadn 't conceded earlier, it would have been a different game, but I think we were discussing um in our white heart whispers that the um it was the way in which the team and this is a very young relatively young team that and eleven players that have never played together before it 's the way they handled that it 's the way they bounced back and almost rode didn't necessarily just ride the pressure that Leicester were putting on us because of that first 15 minutes we just didn't get out the starting blocks. It's the way we then came back at them. We came back at them and I think we in, a, in the space of about five minutes we managed to force two or three saves out of uh, Danny Ward in goal. So it, was, it, was, it wasn't as if it was a sort of, oh my God, we, we've conceded and then there's going to be a bucket loads in. That's what it was going to look like. But it's the way we came back from it. And these are young players. They've not been, probably not been in this situation against this calibre op- caliber of opposition before. And there are, certain, there are premiership teams that would probably crumbled you know and, and lost 9-0 for example however it's just, it's such a testament to these young players and to these B team players the way in which they came back and really took the game to Leicester rather than just accepting fake
0: yeah I agree with you completely six players 20 or under in that starting 11 watching it as I was as a modern football fan that I alluded to earlier Mm. gents from my uh, from my sofa watching it on BBC Dean Smith obviously in the punditry on the panel which was quite interesting to gauge his reaction to but we spoke about this on Saturday night after the game and it was really funny to watch because I know that certain pundits and presenters are based purely on the Premier League and the Champions League and they had Gary Lineker was there I think Alan Shearer and Dion Dublin was there yeah. as well but it was fascinating to watch them turn around and go oh okay so oh right so some teams can play like this in the championship they,
3: this lot people, they're actually not bad people are starting to notice Yeah, and, and it's what we've been banging on along all this time Little Brentford tiny mm. little Tin Pot Club Hashtag clubs like, teams like Brentford, we play some spectacular football. And it was really nice to see that sort of, um, you know, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer, Dion Dublin, people like these do have to focus on the premiership in in the majority because that's what their their role is in in the BBC and that's what the main focus for many fans across the country will be. But the championship is a far better league than the premiership. Hmm. Not necessarily in terms of the standard, but in terms of the excitement it can generate. And it's because you do have teams like Brentford that play this really, really attractive football. And the fact that we, again, the fact that it was our young team and we were able to display this against a big, a giant such as Leicester, again, it's just more testament to them.
2: I mean, the interesting thing in the conversation we had after that, again, in the pub. Afterwards, and they he really stayed in the pub for quite a long time. I was going time. to say, but you did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is a testament to kind of. Uh, it's really weird because people are like, you know, Le- Leicester fans. They were, like they, they. I mean, to be fair, they were great. They came down and we said, look, down the pub at nine thirty in the morning. So we got down there at nine thirty. Some of the Leicester fans were like, oh oh, eleven thirty, and when they turned up, they go, oh my god, what's everyone? I mean the place is absolutely packed you know we're just like you don't understand this is like this is Brentford this is sort of like you know we, we've been terrible for not terrible but we've been quite bad for such a long period of time during the sort of the 80s and the 90s we haven't been a great team and then we've got better and better so we're so used to just going out the pub and enjoying ourselves and that's what it's about and it's it's interesting because the Leicester fans said we we don't really just do this we're just we're used to just sort of kind of turning up having a few drinks going to the game so that was quite nice seeing how we experience our football and how they actually kind of loved taking into our experience of football so like I said to you you know then at the pub we discussed about our team afterwards and how initially we're Not sure about our bench. We've got so many young people on our bench. You know what we're going to do? Are we going to buy anybody in the window? Do we need to buy players? Whereas after this game, we were thinking there's at least three or four players on 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 that team, five players on that team who we think could come off the bench and, you know, not weaken the side. You know, even at at seventy minutes, probably strengthen it because they've got uh, a quality. Which will actually add to the side whether or not it's speed, whether or not it's strength, whether or not it's technical ability. Um, and I thought that that was actually really quite encouraging. So I think a lot of fans are probably less worried about our kind of, uh, depth of our squad and thinking actually we've got a really, really,
3: really good squad. I'm absolutely posse for the future. I think, yeah, and that, that was, um, yeah, uh, so for, but basically in the first team we have almost been surviving off of the same two or three substitutions every single game. Uh from the BMW Keep Ben Rama and Watkins on Boymo comes off Zambritt comes on and plays out wide. Midfield Camo comes on for Norgard or De Silva or and one of the two and then maybe you occasionally get um another another but we've been surviving off those players. Now after that Roslev I I that that guy can that guy is a, a Dalsgaard substitute right there. And right, we Dalsgaard right, right. Has not have does not has not had proper competition for right back. In a very very long time, Zambarek was playing. Um, he's obviously a young player. We'd known about him having a really good energy, really good work rate, very very busy, very good technically on the ball. He's usually played out wide when he's come on in the league this season. This and then on Saturday against Leicester, he was playing centrally, and he he looked like he'd been playing there for five years. He was. Unbelievable, And, yeah, you know, a couple of mistakes here and there, but that's absolutely fine. Drew Yearwood, I think, is a r- potentially a really good impact player. He's busy, he's a terrier, he doesn't shirk a challenge, he's not afraid to st- stick his foot in and, you know, and try and win the ball. And, yeah, he's a really, really good... I've not seen a player like that since Alan McCormack. A really, not necessarily a dirty player, but a really tenacious... A tenacious player in midfield that really really helps us. It, the, the strength and depth of our squad has always been very 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 much questioned. Um, whether or not we've got enough backup in the front positions, whether or not we've got cover if Pontus of guard gets injured, I think we're fine. I don't think we need to sign anyone in this January transfer window.
2: And I think the question that we asked, you know, at the end of the day, because obviously no team wants to lose at all you know we're football fans and especially in the cup you know especially for us i mean we wanted that b team to go out and win so we can uh we at least actually uh, to be fair i actually wanted to draw but we'll talk about that later you know (laughs) but actually didn't want to lose because that's what you want to do but what what we said at the time is that if we lose the interesting thing about the fa cup is that you get maybe a little bit disappointed on the day but but two days later you forgotten about it and you moved on and especially now we've got the forest game on tuesday we're already focused on the forest game and the fact that we lost that game a couple of days ago a lot of people have almost kind of forgotten about it and the question we ask is that is the loss actually a better result
3: in the long term than a draw i don't know what you think hundred percent honestly I, I i genuinely believe this and this is not i don't mean this in terms of uh, disrespect to leicester or to the result i think a loss to leicester in that game long term is the best result for us because it showcased a first of all our club and on the bbc cameras to a much more mainstream audience uh, and a much more premiership targeted audience if that's what you want to call it uh, it got minutes against one of the best teams in the in the country for players like zambarek roslev thompson devish all the, and zambarek and all these players so that's another bonus uh, we didn't disgrace ourselves in any way in terms of the performance in fact we could have drawn let alone won it uh, we reacted really really well to going down a goal a goal going goal down in the first 5 minutes it was it, i think it i think it was a ter- terrific result because if we had if we had won if we if we'd just got a draw we'd be having a replay and then that would be another another game that would add to our you know potentially denting our focus on promotion if we had won it would have been amazing and euphoric, but might that have just been the high of our season? And then that might have, the, the promotion push might have tailed off a little bit. And if we'd have lost 5-0, that, might have, that would have really, really dented the confidence. A really dignified 1-0 loss. Is a very very good result long term. See, I might sort of slightly disagree with you there. First of all, I, I wanted a draw to go up to Leicester on a Tuesday oh, night. Oh, I didn't want a draw. I know? didn't want another game. So
2: I just wanted to go up there on a Leicester Tuesday like, night from selfish reasons for me and my chums, you know, to go up there <laughs> to meet my Leicester buddies and <laughs> a nice it, little night out in Leicester, and yeah, a few not? little drinks for them. So that's, that's the first thing. But also uh, the other thing is that because this is so much focused on our inverted commas second string side or a B string side, I don't think there's any harm in us playing an, ex- an additional game. So I think that you know, for us to have drawn and played an additional game or, or even one that would have been good so i think that was cool so unfortunately we didn't quite get it happen but the fact that it didn't happen isn't that much of a big deal
0: absolutely not well billy you were speaking to a certain mad dog martin allen weren't you after that game he's been speaking about it all day here on a love spot we're going to be hearing exactly how that interview went after this
1: for the fans by the fans love sport radio
2: So yes, we've got Martin Allen on the line here as well. And uh, Martin, Martin was actually uh, at the game on Saturday, weren't you, Martin? How you doing?
5: Yeah, I was at the game. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Very well.
2: That's good. And uh, and the fact is, I mean, I know that we had a little chat beforehand as well, and I know you were very excited coming down to see the bees, especially with the the hype that's happening. We've got the BMW, our you know our, our new Strike Force that is out there doing the business. And when the news filtered out that it was going to be slightly more of a second string team, you were you were you were disappointed to start off with, weren't you? But um. I mean, how did you see the game at the
5: end? Well, I thought after a tricky first 10 minutes where Leicester started particularly uh, fast, um, I thought Brentford settled into the game nicely and played some good football. I thought they were unlucky a couple of occasions. And, um, you know, you could say, well, that's down to Leicester's being complacent. Or you could say that was down to uh, Brentford's good play. And for me personally, I put it down to Brentford's good play. I mean, I
2: mean, it's interesting you say that as well because again, you know, there's massive debates going on with the Brentford fans as to whether or not we should be playing a full strength side or whether or not we should be actually kind of resting players because you know, as we saw, you know, Chris Mepham played for Bournemouth the other day in the third round of the FA Cup, and he got injured. You know, we saw even you know, um, Fulham, you know, had Ream who was sent off and he's going to be out for a few games. You know, and you you risk this if you if you if you put a player in, but on the same side. You've been a manager, you've managed teams, you've played FA Cup games, you know, you got us to the fourth round where we played Sunderland and we won that match, but we still carry on doing our things. And what are your views on how you have to balance the side out?
5: Well with Brentford uh, looking like they're going to go to the Premier League (laughs) you'd have to be mad to think they were going to put out such a a strong team Um, you'd have to be mad wouldn't you let's be honest they're going to the Premier League so you're going to need all your best players fit and well no suspensions Um, this BMW that I was reading all about before I came to the game uh, yeah I was a little bit disappointed I didn't uh, see them but I don't think any Brentford fan could moan. If you could see the BMW playing in the Premier League next year, I think it's, uh, it's a no-brainer.
2: That's right. I mean, Martin, mean, talk about the players that came through. I mean, there's a number of players, and like I said to you, fresh players, new players that are coming through. Is there anybody that impressed you? If you were a manager and you are looking out there and you are scouting, was there anybody that impressed you as a fresh young blood?
5: Well, I, I liked the uh, number four in central midfield. What was his Yearwood. name? Yearwood. Yearwood from
2: Southend, yeah.
5: Um, yeah, I thought he'd done well. He's in, in the first half, he had to play a particular role of uh, getting forward a little bit more and getting up to join his attackers. But then in the second half, when the, uh, the uh, I think it was the number 12, got to substitute, because substitute of his ankle injury.
2: Amococcio, that's right. Amococcio, God bless him. He got taken off
5: and then Year um, Yearwood, was it? That's right, Went Yearwood. back and played in his position and I thought he'd done a really good uh, job on there on... Uh, Perez, who for the per- first 15 minutes of that game was calling, causing Brentford all sorts of problems. But no, just right over the pitch after, like I say, a shaky start, a nervy start. And it was bound to be nervy. It was bound to be edgy. Playing against what I th- was surprised at that Leicester team that they put out with this Sep- Cup semi-final coming up on Tuesday. I thought they gave a really good account of themselves. A great save from the goalkeeper and another touch onto the post, which was uh, very, very unlucky. Yeah, I thought those, uh, everyone in that team done very well.
2: Uh, there's a, pl- a lot of Brentford fans were talking about Zamberek, who's number 31 for Brentford as well, who uh, who they felt was kind of you know controlling and, and 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 put himself about all over the pitch. Did you notice him at all?
5: Yeah, he's the little blonde one, isn't he? That's right. Yeah, he's a tidy little player. Him, yeah, he's uh, he's a good player. I liked him. He uh, yeah, he looked the part. How old is he? Uh,
2: I think I think well, he's a, he's a um, he's an under 19, so he's a, a Czech. Uh, Republic under 19 player as well so uh, like I said to you all young and coming through and learning the game he's played you know a few games off the bench for the first team but just off the bench coming in for sort of 8 or 10 minutes you know just trying to do his thing but still yeah well, he's
5: got certain certainly got a l- ability um, if he keeps playing like that I'm sure there'll be a lot of clubs uh, looking to check him out
2: yeah and just going to ask about one other player as well Mark Condes who's a player who we bought and we had quite a lot of uh, excited about him as well number 17 he was is and he the uh, one with the blonde hair he- on top of On top of his head, yeah, I liked him. Yeah, he
5: looked dangerous, confident, bright, very positive, had a bit of self belief. Yeah, he he also played well. That's
2: right. Yeah, he came from Denmark and uh, he he got injured and he didn't play particularly well, so he sent it back there on loan for four months. Played for the top of the league side. He's come back and uh, it looks like he's got his self belief back and his confidence. And uh, again, he's going to add to our to our strong bench. So, I mean, overall, how do you see it for Brentford? Because obviously, we've got our first team and you've seen a few players here. You think they'll be able to do us proud?
5: Oh, yeah. It's the momentum that counts. It's the m- momentum when you get into these positions. You know, Leeds are, uh, are shaking again, they're quaking, aren't they? They're, uh, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, West Brom have had a terrible run. So, uh, forget winning in the FA Cup on Saturday for them. That was uh, a good result for them in one way. But in another way, they'll be uh, he'll be scratching his head, Slava and, Bilic, and thinking, how am I going to get points on the board to get to the top of the league? Whereas Brentford, um, I think the manager's really, really good. I think the players uh, play for him. They play his style of football. And they've got the momentum. And when once you get that, you get that self-belief. And uh, there doesn't seem to be too much anxiety uh, within the group. Uh, that will creep in as they get higher up the table. But uh, I fully expect Brentford now to be playing in the Premier League next season in their new stadium, which will be wonderful.
2: New Griffin Park. You're to, And you're going to be down there, of course, Martin, aren't you?
5: Well, of course... Of course um, I'll probably be getting up quite early uh, on that Saturday morning of the first home game to come and see that match uh, in the Premier League for Brentford Football Club and I'll probably be outside by those front gates about half past seven in the morning
2: Excellent and we'll see you there Martin OK good to talk to you
0: Well there he was Martin Allen there Mad Dog speaking to Billy the B Grant uh, his reaction to the game on a Saturday that old Mark Honda, I tell you what with that blonde hair on top of his head yeah. <laughs> the hair on the top of his I, head i, I kind of get what he was meaning because it's high it's kind of frosted isn't it so he means blonde hair on they're top tips, of his head. they tips yeah. aren't they i think yeah. that's what they call it i mean that's i, don't, I don't have
3: enough hair to pass comment but yeah it's just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> what a guy loving his bits
2: billy enjoy that one yeah, I love talking to Martin. Like I said, we did our, um, he did our end-of-season social, not this summer, the summer before as well. And it was absolutely brilliant. We talked to people about that. It was absolutely mobbed out, probably 250 people in there. They were, they were, they were hanging on for his every word. And it's the only live event that we've done where we've actually not been able to put a podcast out. <laughs> <laughs> I've like, tried to edit it and find a piece that we could put out, and there was nothing. It was either libelous or we could uh, get someone else in trouble or stuff like that. So we've just left it to the ether and to everyone's memory sells
0: sometimes that's better yes. isn't it sometimes that is better what a man martin allen is uh great chat there billy Let's move on a little bit now to some comments that have been made recently this week. It's the FA Cup, so the magic of the FA Cup always comes up, doesn't it? And replays have come up, should replays be abolished, weakened teams that are being fielded. And there have been a few whispers about Brentford's weakened
2: side, potentially damaging the reputation of the Cup. That's right. I mean, it was interesting because it came out after the match and uh, most people seem to be happy. Um, It's interesting because before the match, there were a few people, especially like I watched the BBC coverage afterwards and at the beginning of the match there were a few comments from people that were sort of like you know i think shearing that lot going you know they've 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 done a weakened side and they they kind of didn't fully lay in but they kind of made comment that there was just almost like a thinking like what do they think they're doing but after the match there was a a, a journalist uh who is quite well-known journalist and like that and and we're not going to mention his name because it's, it's not his name that is, is, is the issue but he made a comment basically saying that Brentford uh, had, uh you know that playing the weekend side kind of was killing the FA Cup and uh the fact that sort of kind of mid-table championship sides can go and play weekend sides that's that's kind of the death knell of the FA Cup so he saw that of course we we retweeted it put it out there and, and there are a lot of comments that have come back now we're not we're bringing this conversation up because i was thinking about it as i think it actually to be fair there are people that do have you know that, that, that i think they have valid opinions about the fa cup and where the fa, FA stands and even within our own ranks the people who are sort of kind of wondering whether or not we should field a weakened side or a strengthened side and even when we knew that we were going for the forest game and we were going for it people still felt that we should go um, and, and and not disrespect the FA Cup. So we thought that it might be a really interesting conversation just to talk about this because um, this this journalist has brought the point up um, to be fair to him. You know, after we saw the comments and the way that the Brentford fans were very, very, very vocal about how they felt that for the first time ever. They weren't worried about us feeling a, a weak inside, and they felt the side had done really well. He actually retracted his comment and said, "Look, I'm really sorry. Uh, maybe I was a little bit hasty in my thoughts. And actually, you know, Brentford done really well. I wish you the well for the season." Which is, I think, fair play to him. If you go into the Brentford besotted Twitter, um, you could check it out. And you could check it out his comments there. But we're not going to mention his name as such. We're going to discuss more about the, you know, just what, what 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 he brought up here.
3: Yeah, it's it's an interesting point of point that he's made and I think it's 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 it's, it's got some validity to it. Um, but just reading a couple of comments um, um, in response to that, a lot of people have mentioned the word squad. It's a squad game, it's a squad tournament, you have to use your entire squad to the best of its ability in order to get you as far as you can go. Now, I'm of the belief that football clubs have to prioritise certain things at certain points, right? So... Brentford as a club are really, really on the cusp of something special here in terms of their league position, in terms of promotion. Okay, the way the squad we picked was not a squad picked to lose that game. That's the bottom line. We you, like I, I dread to think of a manager that picks a side and tells them go out there, don't win. And it's testament there because we did manage to get uh, come really, really close to nicking a draw and potentially taking it to a replay against uh, until recently Premiership champions. Um, and what is comment? What I didn't like about his comment is that it, it it seemed to suggest that we had deliberately derailed the entire competition of the FA Cup, which is not the case. We were doing it with the best interest of Brentford Football Club at, at, our, at the forefronts of our mind. And if you, well, I mean, what's the different what, How is that different to Liverpool, say, for example, naming a a, a bunch of kids against um, against Rosebery? It's 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 ludicrous to think that. Um, to point, pinpoint uh, mid-table or upper-mid-table championship clubs and lower-league clubs, picking second-string second string sides, essentially, because they have other priorities in other competitions. The benefits, as well, of naming a second-string side against a team like Leicester are phenomenal. You get game time, you get exposure, you get minutes for to players um, to learn from and, and, get, and they gain experience from it. the The FA Cup is about games like that. It's about providing... Uh, those moments where you have the minnows swimming in a massive ocean against sharks, and pretend- and sometimes you get scalps where they come out with a win. I'm, I'm I understand where he was coming from. I just really hardly disagree with his original comments, but like we say, he has retracted.
2: Uh, you, you've got to think where this inverted commas disrespect has come from because obviously I think that the, the earliest um, incident that I remember is I think with Men United but did they not retract or uh, come away for it for a whole season? So you know?
0: it was yeah it was it was the 99-2000 season it was after they'd won the treble um, they then had to go and play in what was then the World Club Championship I think it was initially called it was the inaugural tournament I think for United in that situation they had a lot of pressure on them from the FA and the government as well because England at the time were lobbying for the 2006 World Cup so they there was a lot of pressure, I think, on United to go out there and actually join in that tournament and not take part in the FA Cup.
2: OK, I get about the reason. So they pulled out of that. But all of a sudden, you've just seen that there's a lot of teams that play weakened sides, you know, um, and it's happened for quite a while. And uh, you've got to think the reason why. And I think a lot of the reason why is also is that if you look back in the day, um, you know, uh, there was an honour in winning the FA Cup but also back in the day there wasn't this disparity in, in, the, in the money which, which is in football you know but all of a sudden now you know you look at Liverpool you look at Man United you look at these teams where they think the Champions League is the one and the FA Cup is an inconvenience whereas for in the Championship now if you're at the top of the Championship you think going to the Premier League mm. 100, 100 million pounds that's the one and winning the FA Cup where in the fourth round you you get what 130,000 pounds they're like that's, that's an inconvenience so all of a sudden it's like they've started to prioritise based on more and more money money going into the game you know there's an argument to say that if there was actually more money thrown into the fa cup then they actually might take the whole thing maybe much more seriously but that's not what the sit. that's that that doesn't happen so
3: there's, there's, there's not enough incentive for teams to win the FA Cup. I don't think that's the problem. There have been other things: the Champions League and the Premiership and the money and the, the sponsorship rights and the image rights for Premiership thing, That's taken. That's taken a, a priority, at the forefront. Exactly what Billy said in terms of putting the money, the money up, up front. Um, just looking at some figures, I believe the winner, the winner of the FA Cups, gets three point six million pounds. Now, to Man City, that's one player's wages for a couple of weeks. To a team like Brentford, that is a su- su- substantial, significant investment. However, you are never, you're never going to get there because the, the bigger teams do. It, that's how how it does work, and I i am not. I am not entirely sure whether or not the how the FA Cup can recover from it, for, can recover that sort of magic and that relevance and that spark. But and that's the thing. I mean, that's the question we ask: Can it be
2: turned around? Is the FA Cup, you know, not lost it? Because I think that when you see what happened to Shrewsbury, I, as you know, I just talked to I used to go to Shrewsbury loads. You know, I know all my Shrewsbury mates up there. I was messaging them last night. Um, they're out last Sunday night and Shrewsbury is a big night anyway. Last <laughs> night, not, not be funny. I don't think anyone would have gone to work on Monday morning in Shrewsbury because everyone would have been out till seven o'clock in the morning. Absolute carnage. Fair play to them. You can't tell them that the FA Cup is dead. But what happens is that they played their full side because for them to go the next round and get that money to them, it works for them in their scenario because they've got a different economic situation to what maybe Brentford might have or what Man City might have and so it's kind of in different stages so there is a bit of joy in the FA Cup but it's 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 it it definitely isn't what it is but still we, we like to keep we like to think of it as being very special indeed we do a debate
0: fellas that will rumble on and on I would imagine but more importantly now pressing matters ahead tomorrow evening 5th plays fourth in the championship. Brentford against Nottingham Forest. We've got Forest fans, Scott Ely on the line from the Munich and Madrid blog next.
1: We've all got one, and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter, or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station. The Opposition View on Love Sport.
0: Mm, it is indeed time for The Opposition View here on the Brentford Fan Show. The boys from Besotted about to speak to Scott Ely from the Munich and Madrid blog. Big Forest fan is Scott because of course tomorrow 5th plays 4th in the Championship. Brentford playing Nottingham Forest. Hello Scott.
4: How we doing, you alright?
0: Yeah, very well, thank you. Looking forward to the game tomorrow?
4: Um, a little bit little bit um probably probably a little bit concerned that we might be on the end of a trial soon but um we'll see we'll see
2: that's right and uh, scott how you doing it's billy yeah
4: how you doing billy that's
2: good have you got home from the pub since the last time i saw you yet uh
4: (laughs) <laughs> well, it was a good day. It was a good day beating the batsman, boy.
2: Yeah, no, it was good laugh, man, as well. So, but listen, first, your first six-pointer of the season, isn't it? You know, so I, I see the butterflies. I can feel the butterflies from uh, just coming down the line here, as well. I mean, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, but Forrest, to be fair, Forrest are coming down, and 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 you know, they're in a good position. You know what Forrest do, and you know that as well. They, I mean, they're going to come down to frustrate, aren't they? Because they defensively, they try and keep it a little bit tight, and if they can nick. A little win, a little goal. That's what they're going to do.
4: Yeah, I mean, Sublimushi is kind of he's quite defensive-minded. Um, I think he knows that he's kind of limited with the players that he's kind of inherited. Um, so he set us up to be to be hard to beat more than anything. And kind of from day one, um, that's been the approach. And but we're talking now with January, and we're kind of fourth, fifth in the league. So you, you can't really complain. Um, we went to Fulham earlier in the season. Um, I guess a similar side to kind of Brentford, and you know they were going to play. They were going to play an attractive game. Uh, and Forrest played really well that day, and not only did they defend well, they attacked really well, um, two 0 So we've got it in our locker, and on a good day, and I'm hoping tomorrow night might be that good day that we can turn it on. And it wouldn't surprise me if Forrest came away with a win tomorrow. It wouldn't.
2: Yeah and, and and I said I mean I did a piece for Forza Garibaldi which is out uh, on the Forza Garibaldi site as well today which I did a preview which gave a little vibe of Brentford and looked at Forrest a bit and uh, like I said to you you know looking at the way that you play you're very good at finishing scoring chances and counter attacks and also attacking set pieces and uh, and creating scoring chances because you've got skillful players as well and like i said to you also the thing that we need to be careful about is uh if you go ahead you're very good at protecting the lead so for brentford you know we need to be very much on the ball we've got the 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 best defense in the league so we need to make sure that we don't let you get that chance don't let you get ahead you're 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 creative players we can't give you the space to play and do what you need to do get your through balls in because i think that's where we're going to actually kind of stifle uh hopefully stifle you
4: I think uh, our biggest weapon is in centre midfield in a player called Sam Butso. Um He's really untidy, but he's an absolute wrecking ball uh, in midfield. And um, just going back to that Fulham game, you know, he just came in and he, he, he smashed two or three players. And we're kind of thinking that might be, might be what he might do against Brentford tomorrow, just to upset the rhythm a little bit and get us, get us playing. Um, he, he just seems to, he seems to get us moving with a bit, a bit of momentum. We are an untidy team um and we're certainly not going to play off the park with the ball, that's for sure. But sometimes you can just break up the play, get us off on the right foot, and then we've got players like Sammy Amiobi who is really unpredictable. He's a bit of a Paulo one shot. It must be quite difficult to mark because you don't know from one minute to the next what he's going to produce. But um he's probably got about seven or eight assists. He's chipped in with a couple of goals. And for a free transfer he's been a you know he's been a great signing for us. Um, and Lewis Grubben you know, he's got 16 goals this season, and he's, he's feeding off scraps. To be fair, we are not a kind of a free-flowing football side, if you like.
2: And that's right. I mean, again, just coming back to it, and I know a lot of people don't like the XG thing and the stats side of it, but we kind of live on it, or you know, or some of us within Brentford do. And the fact is that you know Forest haven't got uh, you know worldly XG, haven't got high XG. They're basically not creating loads of really good chances, which is what XG is all about. Um, yep. however the chances that you do create you're putting them at the back of the net and that's Lewis grabbing who we know because he used to play for us and always seems to score against us it's dangerous so he's the player that you must not get on the ball but interestingly on the on the sort of table that they created the Justice League as they call it you know um, Brentford is its usual sort of second or third or fourth whatever you want to put it but normally around about second whereas Forest are actually 16th where their re- your real position is fourth so what they're saying is that you're not creating loads of great chances you are scoring them which has put you into fourth place but you're not creating them so the the question is whether or not we stop you from actually scoring you know you, you, basically you've got to stop Graben, who's your main goal scorer getting on the ball
4: yes well i mean sometimes lewis Graben won't contribute a great deal for the match you know it just takes that one you know one chance that you know he sticks away so I think sometimes as a, as a Forest fan, sometimes you get a bit frustrated with Lewis because he, he's out of the game. But as I say, he just takes that one chance and he sticks it in, and he's done a lot of that um, this season. I think one of the disappointing things for Forrest has been Joe Lolly's form. Um, up until kind of December, he's really been out of sorts. And when you take Joe Lolly's contribution at that Forest side, it, it's, it's a big hit, and I think that's been, been a big problem. However, what I would say is that Joe Lolly is starting to play himself back into form. Over the last month, his performance levels have picked up. He um, he scored a cracking goal against Fluton the other week. So that's really encouraging for Forrest. We had um, a player from from Portugal, Gio Carvalho, £15 million signing. He had uh, a horror tackle, um, did him in pre-season. So he's been a big miss too. So we're hoping that if Lolly can get back to form and Carvalho can start to kind of get himself back into the side, that the creativity might come and we can build on this platform.
3: Uh, yes, yeah, Scott. It's Robin here. How are you doing? How are you doing, Robin? Not too bad. Um, I just wanted to ask you a quick question. It's thinking a bit more ahead of the game now, um, which I know neither team really wants to do. Uh, who do you think can afford to lose this more?
4: I'm not going to be too downhearted if Forest lose tomorrow. Um, I think that there's an awful long way to go. i have kind of, I'm kind of encouraged by the fact we've been in and around the top six all season. We haven't really dropped too far away from that. Um, we've got Birmingham on Saturday We've just got to keep ticking over um, I think, I think the, the thing about tomorrow's game um, Is probably about automatic credentials I would say um, If Forrest could beat Brentford Then I'd say actually We can really uh, turn the screw on Leeds and West Brom a little bit as they're starting to fall away, yeah. and I think likewise that would be the you know the incentive for Brentford as well.
3: So I think uh, it's interesting because we're, we're, we're
2: trying to catch those tails, aren't we?
3: Yeah, well, we're 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 sort of taking this as almost a must-win game, so it's interesting to hear that standpoint.
2: All right, that's right. So, listen, just quickly, you've got to give us a score prediction.
4: I'm going go to go two all. I think Froy's going to come from from behind um and perhaps get two two goals come down from
0: two
2: nil behind i'm gonna go for a quick one nil to the mighty bees uh i'm going (laughs) to go for a
3: one nil as well one bees. that's right
0: lovely stuff that was scott Ely there from the munich and madrid lovely stuff bees playing nottingham forest tomorrow of course i think that's still in the christmas spirit forest haven't lost since christmas it was i think it was one win in seven prior to that
3: until tomorrow (laughs) hey there we go Uh,
0: fellas we're nearly at the
2: end of the show billy some plugs, if you will. Just quickly, yeah. I mean, the plugs are, well, we got a podcast for the on Thursday, 7 o'clock in the morning. We're playing Hull on Saturday. Early kick-off, 12.30, it's on the TV. So you can actually catch the bees on the TV yet again against Hull. So uh, we're going to do the podcast on Thursday, so that's going to be wonderful. So check that out, Pride of West... Dot London. Obviously, our end of season social. We talked about Martin Allen was there two years ago. We got our end of season social. We've already got a couple of players lined up. Fantastic! First of May, Friday, the day before the last game of the season, which could be a bit of a party. But we're in touch with again. <laughs> so tickets going to go. Actually, the early bird tickets are already gone. They went like in literally seconds. Um, but tickets will go on sale again quite soon. So just check it out on besotted
0: Lovely stuff Fellas has been nothing but a pleasure As always Having Absolutely. you in the studio today We'll be back Next Monday 8pm here on Love Sport London The Brentford Fan Show We'll Co- see you then Coming to Come on Come on To Brentford
1: Come